0: We finally put together the final puzzle piece of Boston Children's Hospital's crusade to mutilate your daughters, Biden signs the Inflation Reduction Act into law, we give an update on the state of the FBI raid on Trump, and Sanity gets a rare win at the University of Alabama. We have all that and more today on The Conservatory. Hey guys, before we get into today's episode, I'd like to remind you to go check out our Twitter at Conservatory Pod. that's conservatorypod. There we post episode clips and articles as well as new upload alerts and updates. All right, let's get into today's show. So if you'll remember on Friday, we discussed how the Boston Children's Hospital and the left more generally would like to perform ritualistic sacrifices and mutilations on your children in the name of gender ideology. And then yesterday, we discussed further how Boston Children's Hospital, again in conjunction with the left, believes that your children from essentially birth can be transgender and can communicate that to you. Additionally, we talked about how other doctors would like for you or would like for your children to make decision, specifically your daughters, to have their breasts cut off at a young age because eh, they could just throw, throw some back on later down the line if they change their mind. Well, all of this culminates in what we're going to talk about today. And the video I'm about to show you can really only be described as pure evil. Boston Children's Hospital, in the clip, lays their cards on the table and shows you their hand. Let's go ahead and uh, let's roll that clip.
1: A phalloplasty is a procedure to uh, basically create uh, uh, a penis or a phallus for uh, an individual who was born biological female and who seeks transition to uh, a male uh, gender. The procedure is done with plastic surgeons and urologists. The urologists manipulate the tissues in the surrounding area to lengthen the urethra. A new scrotum is created and uh, some of the anatomical parts of uh, the female anatomy are removed. The plastic surgeons are in charge of creating a new tissue that will ultimately meet the lengthened urethra. And the additional tissue that's been moved to uh, create uh, the uh, neophallus. We typically utilize tissue from elsewhere. For example, the forearm or the thigh is used. The plastic surgeons are also responsible for uh, providing sensation by doing the nerve coaptation so that the new phallus will have sensation and also responsible for re-establishing the blood supply and also to shape it in a way that appears more um, physiologically and anatomically uh, like a natural one. A phalloplasty is a procedure to uh, basically create a penis or a phallus for uh, an individual who was born biological female and who seeks transition to uh, a male uh, gender. Patients expect to stay for about seven days or so. They do need to have additional time for recovery, making sure that everything is working well and making sure that uh, the flaps are alive and healthy and that the uh, tissues are healing well before they're discharged home.
0: So as we know, the procedure described in this video is intended to educate children and their parents on the procedure available to them. In the video, you heard the man talk about a phalloplasty, which as we know, is the creation of a male appendage out of the flesh from a forearm or thigh of, a, of a, a patient. And through many surgeries and doctor consultations and visits, a child, your young daughter, can create a male appendage for herself, or rather the doctors can create it for her. And of course, if the left had their way, children would be able to do this as young as three, four, five years old. In the video, you heard the man say that this type of surgery often requires seven-day recovery. And I don't think I need to point out the problems here. We like to use modern medicine to mutilate children. Just like we talked about on Friday, these procedures are ritualistic when it comes down to it. Furthermore, Democrats often complain that AR-15 manufacturers market their products to children as if teaching children to properly respect a firearm and know how to use it is a, a bad thing. And all the while... They applaud when Boston Children's Hospital posts a video talking about mutilating children's bodies to YouTube where children can see it and target it at children. Again, I, I can't get over the fact that a surgery like this can require minimum, uh, evidently, a seven-day recovery for an elective surgery that a child may not want several years down the line. If a child says that they want the surgery at, will be generous and say, 12 years old, anywhere from 12 to 15... In 10 years, there's a good chance that they won't want it anymore. And at that point, they really don't have any choice. Giving children the ability to make a life-changing decision like this is likely going to be a soul-crushing one and one that cannot be overturned or reversed. I'm a big fan of giving kids the opportunity to make mistakes. But of course, like everything, there has to be a boundary to this. You can't let them ruin their lives on a whim. And as it turns out, the hospital didn't think that these videos did a good enough job, so they released a third to further explain the procedure. So here's that. For bottom surgery, hair removal is extremely important. For phalloplasty, we make the neophallus with the tissue most often from the arm, sometimes from the thigh. This part of the arm right here becomes the inside of your urethra. In there, we cannot have hair. That urethra, once it's made, is not accessible anymore to the outside world. So we need the hair removed there to reduce complications after. And then for the actual phallus, the hair here can be removed ahead of time. It can also be removed later, but I assure you once you go through surgery and recovery, the last thing you want to do is then go get hair removal on the outside. So doing it up front is important. We help you figure out sort of what's important for you and what the cost benefit is, and um, guide you in what to do for that. So, again, in the video, there's the woman talking about how the surgery is performed and why hair must be removed from the flesh of which the phallus is to be created from. First of all, the thought of this whole thing is, is disgusting, and I don't know who would disagree with that. The fact that the, the woman here could advocate for this type of thing, advocate for the mutilation of young girls, and really sound chipper about it and, and have no problems with it, is disgusting. And in case you had a doubt that these procedures were being marketed to children, in that video she addresses the watcher as you, meaning a kid stumbles upon this video, she is talking directly to your young daughter saying, you can have a penis made from your forearm or your thigh, and there's no problem with that, that is just the same as having a penis as a male, and that's disgusting and it's extremely damaging to children, especially those who are inclined to believe this sort of stuff. And something I've noticed in these videos is they play this nice little music, and they have these people talk like they're so nice, and they don't dare mention that there may be drawbacks to the process. Uh, in the following clip, a I'm gonna it's a girl who has gone through the surgery uh, details the complications that she had as a result of of a surgery like this. So let's listen
2: in. I started bioplasty back in March 2020, and we are in March 2022 and we're not even halfway through the process. To put it lightly, the past year has been them trying to fix their F up. Um, I have a fistula, which is abnormal connection between my urethra and my rectum, meaning the P tube is pretty much going through my rectum, which is causing ongoing UTIs, urinary tract infections. And so when I had surgery back in July, is when they tried to first fix the fistula so from going from above. And so that gave me an ostomy bag at age 27. At age 27, I am pooping in a bag. Right. Um, and this past week and a half ago, went back in for another surgery to try to fix the same issue, but this time going through the rectum. And so now after that, I had two catheters put in a Foley in an SP, and the forward catheter is out. The SP, we're still rocking with, sadly, to this day. But my warning is that as much as we want to think our transition is about the physicality and making sure that we look the part, there's so much more than be- to being a man or a woman than how we appear. And I wish I knew that back before I had the surgery, because I feel like now I'm living with these issues I have a hard time getting close to anyone because I feel like during these past two years, I've lost a lot of people, whether it's through like falling out or death or so forth. And so I'll continue this on part two. So continue what I was saying in regards to phalloplasty. It's something that like you need to sit down with yourself, get a pen and, pen and paper and make a pro and con list. The pros of getting the surgery and the cons, but just know there's more cons than pros in my honest opinion because it's kind of like yeah like it's cool to look down and see uh you know but it's just the fact that two years later i still don't have full feeling i'll go in for an exam or do a test and they're like oh we're gonna grab the phallus we're gonna do this that and forth and despite them telling me they're gonna do it more than half the time i don't feel them touching down there and to me it's a concern because if I can't fully feel when someone touches me, I'm not going to get anything out of it at all. Especially when it comes to anything like, you know, intimate, being like physical with a partner or whoever. I want to be able to live in the moment and enjoy it.
0: So, as you heard in the clip, this person details that as a result of the elective surgery, two years removed from the surgery, she has a colostomy bag. I believe she says. She has had several colostomy bags. She's had several catheters, among other medical complications. She also claims that close relationships are tough, which, surprise, surprise, people find this stuff weird. People don't want to be friends or be romantically involved with people like this because it's unnatural and it's it's disgusting, really. And, of course, at the end, she kind of claims or at least indicates that she may be regrets this process and wishes you know, she had never done it. But of course, you can't say that because that's denying children gender-affirming care, and that's very, very bad, at least according to the left. Could you imagine if we found evidence of this type of surgery in a Nazi research facility? If we walked into an operating room where a Nazi surgeon had finished an operation and we found a young girl, say eight years old, nine years old, ten years old, laying on the operating table, and on her forearm, she's missing a large amount of skin and flesh, and it had been sown to create a false penis, we would undoubtedly call it as it is, which is disgusting, and be appalled by it. The person who performed the surgery would go to prison for a long, long time. But if we do it in the name of science and gender affirmation, it's cheered. It is a virtue. And that, of course, is disgusting. And yet, still, we market the stuff to children. But can we really be surprised? Leftists have shown themselves time and time again to be creeps, They want to destroy children's innocence for their own sick pleasure and for their own sick personal gender affirmation. These people are so insecure that they have to have kids affirm their delusions and take part in them so that they don't feel marginalized. And that's really what it comes down to. There is a war on children and the left started it, no question. And we have to finish it. We have to fight and protect our children because they are the ultimate thing worth protecting in this world. So to briefly move away from the left's atrocity and war on children's innocence... Yesterday, Joe Biden signed the Inflation Reduction Act into law. From Fox News, quote, President Biden signed the Inflation Reduction Act into law on Tuesday, saying, quote, the American people won and the special interest is lost with the new legislation and touting Democrat support while slamming Republicans for not backing the bill. The bill, which was passed by the Senate earlier this month in the House of Representatives last week, cost an estimated $437 billion dollars with $369 billion going toward investments in energy, security, and climate change, according to a summary by the Senate Democrats. So essentially, it's just a climate spending bill. Almost 85% of the spending in this bill will go towards climate research or climate change. So in reality, it will do pretty much nothing to drop the energy prices and will likely extend the high price period. It won't decrease prices at all. Now, this doesn't seem like it's going to help at all, and it's not just me saying that. That same Fox News article says, quote, One thing the Inflation Reduction Act is not expected to do, according to multiple analyses, is reduce inflation. The Congressional Budget Office said the bill will have a negligible effect on inflation in 2022, and in 2023 its impact would range between reducing inflation by 0.1% and increasing it by 0.1%, end quote. Now, of course, this isn't shocking. Democrats rarely ever want to decrease spending and really enjoy spending money on social programs and climate change to no end. They spend and spend and spend on stuff like climate change, all the while claiming that we don't do enough to prevent it. But of course, this is Republicans' fault. Biden, and a swipe at Republicans, said, quote, Democrats sided with the American people and every single Republican in the Congress sided with the special interest in this, every single one. Now, the bill passed on a party line vote in the Senate 50-50 with Kamala Harris voting on the tiebreaker. And so what you see often with bills like this is Democrats drop a massive omnibus spending bill that has very little to no content that deals with the problem. They name it after the problem that they claim it fixes. Republicans don't go for it. And then they rail against Republicans. And if it passes, they get their way. And the publicity of Republicans not supporting it, which is what happened in this case. For the government to spend, somebody has to pay more taxes. That's how they get more money. That or they print it. And printing obviously leads to inflation. And increasing taxes increases taxes. Not to mention this bill spends pretty indiscriminately and seemingly was passed with an ulterior motive. So... Now that the dust has settled and some more information has come out, we can begin to take a clearer look at the FBI raid on President Trump's home last week and lay out some expectations. On the part of the left, they certainly expect some sort of information to come out that would implicate Trump in a crime and bar him from seeking re-election in 2024. On the part of the right, we hope obviously they raid, excuse me, the raid yields nothing. And further demonstrates and confirms that the raid was nothing more than a weaponization of a federal agency against a political opponent, which would then rally conservatives to elect Trump as the nominee in 2024. Despite the hopes and wishes of both sides, it seems at this point that we haven't received an indication either way. The FBI hasn't released much of anything since the raid, particularly a definitive crime with which they want to charge Trump with, making it seem even more like a catch-all type of raid. Here's the thing though, after all of this, the seizing of documents, the seizing of passports, etc, the FBI had better come out with a bombshell of a report. They had better found something beyond something as simple as Trump had classified documents in his home. Why is this the case? Why must they have something beyond finding classified documents? Well, presidents, as we discussed before, have the unique ability to declassify documents at will. So then the question becomes, did Trump declassify the documents before he took them from the White House? But the problem is, there's no official declassification process for the president. Meaning Trump did not have to give any sort of verification or notice of declassification. So in a court of law, it would be nearly impossible to prove that Trump didn't declassify the documents prior to taking them to Mar-a-Lago. So if that lead doesn't pan out for the DOJ and the left, what do they have? And for right now, it would seem they have almost nothing, which is why we have to wait and see what they produce in terms of charges of a crime. Here's the problem with all this. Americans' trust in institutions like the DOJ and FBI is at an all-time low, as the divide between... Left and right grows politically, and as the left flexes their ideological domination over a growing swath of institutions, the value and trust Americans have in these institutions continues to deteriorate. Why would anyone trust an agency who refused to charge Hillary Clinton, who had no authority to declassify documents, had them anyway, then bleached the hard drives of a server in her own residence containing these documents, but then the same agency levels their sights on a former president who has the power to declassify documents because he had paper copies of documents in his home? So this is why I say the DOJ better come up with something major and fast. Because each day without charges, Americans lose even more trust with another American institution. And I'd like to take a moment to admonish those who are calling for the doxing of the FBI agents involved in the raid. They're simply doing their job as instructed by their boss. And before I start getting comments like, Well, the Nazi soldiers were just doing their job. Consider that the difference is, let's say you work in sales. If your boss tells you to generate an earnings report for this quarter, that's very different than if your boss told you to go herd Jews into gas chambers. Alrighty, so if you remember back to last Friday's show, there was a trans student at the University of Alabama attempting to go through sorority rush. This, of course, is a problem considering sororities are reserved for women and not for cross-dressing men. Well, fortunately, these sororities all had a backbone and decided that they were not going to allow the male student in. Evidently, the male student's name is Grant Sykes, by the way. From Outkick.com, quote, on TikTok, where Alabama Rush Week has turned into a sporting event, Sykes was the big content winner by racking up several million views by documenting the journey to get that elusive bid. By the weekend, it became apparent that a biological male would not get a bid into the illustrious Alabama sorority world. Unfortunately, This chapter is closed. Sykes announced on on Instagram. This recruitment journey is over for me. Being dropped from my last house this morning during primary recruitment at the University of Alabama doesn't come as a surprise, considering out of the almost 20 chapters, I was dropped by every single one except two before day one. Contrary to what the leftist outlets and pundits would have you believe, this is a good thing. For the time being, young women at the University of Alabama have been spared. This is an unusual win for sanity, especially when you think back to how Leah Thomas, a male, was awarded a national championship for beating young women in the NCAA Women's National Championship of Swimming, or when an elderly woman was banned at the YMCA because she raised alarm at the sight of a man leading young girls into a locker room. We should enjoy this for what it is, a victory for sanity and for the protection of our daughters, but we shouldn't rest on our laurels here. The fact that this can be paraded as a victory at all is indicative of just how much more we have to do. Before we close for today, I'd like to congratulate Harriet Hageman for defeating Liz Cheney in the Wyoming primary. Cheney is a prime example of the type of politician Republicans have to kick out of the party. We have no room for squishes these days. We can't afford it. Alrighty, guys, that's going to do it for today's show. Thank you all for listening, and don't forget to share, subscribe, and give us a five-star rating. If you want to get in touch with me for sponsorships or just a casual political discussion, shoot me an email at the.conservatory.podcast at protonmail.com. Also, don't forget to check out and follow our Twitter page at Conservatory Pod. That's Conservatory P O D on Twitter. There we post clips, articles, and documents referenced on the show, as well as new episode alerts and updates. Remember to read your Bible, exercise, and go outside. Thanks, guys.